Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. We are in the Word today in Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are what's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and there is so much here that could be unpacked that there's no way we're going to do that in this short 10-minute, really devotional approach to the chapters. So I encourage you to really dig into this on your own a little bit more. Now, the Sermon on the Mount has been referred to as the Manifesto of Christ's Kingdom, And what Jesus does here, he unfolds and opens up really the heart of the law and God's desire for his people. In the Sermon on the Mount, we see really a huge contrast between the teaching of Christ and the religious leaders of that day, the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, they made it all about the outward appearance, or as Jesus said in another place, uh, the outside of the cup. And Jesus shows us what the heart of the matter is in our relationship with God. Another place in Matthew, in chapter 23 and 24, Jesus, when he was rebuking the same group of people, said, you strain at a gnat. That gives us some real insight to them. Now, what is a gnat? A gnat is this small insect that they would usually use a strainer to strain fluids before they drank it for fear they may accidentally swallow a gnat. Why? Because of this prohibition in the law that they perceived against maybe ingesting an insect, or some have said it's because of the blood of the insect. They didn't want to take blood into their body because that was forbidden. And the point is this, these religious leaders were so absolutely meticulous about the outward, but so hypocritical when it came to the inward and so neglectful of what Jesus called the weightier matters of the law. Now, chapter five begins with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes really are talking about the true blessedness and nature of the believer. From the Beatitudes, he describes believers as salt and as light. And in verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what I also see here in the Beatitude is Jesus is connecting these followers to their relationship and emphasis with the Father rather than with just the mechanical teaching of the leaders of their day. It's your Father people need. It's your Father you need to glorify. And he really is elevating them to a much higher standard than the standard of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, that may seem um, kind of in contradiction to what I just said, because I said they had such a high outward standard. But Jesus said in verse 20, I say unto you, except your righteousness will exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying there? He's saying this outward performance that is being demonstrated and taught to you by the Pharisees is not what God accepts. He said, if your righteousness isn't greater than that, you're not entering into heaven. Well, man, it feels like that would leave everyone on the outside looking in, but not really. What he's teaching is the righteousness that it takes to be accepted by God is a righteousness that can only come from God. It's a righteousness that God produces in the heart of those who come to faith in him through Jesus Christ. 
And so that's the higher standards, the spiritual standard of the manifesto of Christ's kingdom. And in this chapter, he gives six, but I say unto you statements. What is he doing? He's kind of giving the way that the religious leaders of the day would have taught a teaching of the law. And then Jesus gives his basically unpacking of what it truly means to a spiritual follower of Jesus Christ. The first one is in verse 21. He said, you have heard that it was said by them of old, you shall not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But then he says in verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So what does he do? He takes this outward teaching and he brings it to the true depth of reality, spiritual reality. So in verse 22, he deals with the subject of anger this way. Verse 28, the subject of lust. Verse 32, the subject of divorce. Verse 34, oaths that we might swear. Um, verse 39, how we respond to evil. And in verse 44, he deals with the subject of love. And that's really where I want to park this morning. And that's in verses 43 through 48. He said, you have heard that it has been said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes a sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, the tax collectors, do the same? And if you salute or greet your brothers only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans this? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So once again, he is tying the interpretation and the application to their relationship with the Father. He said, be the children of your father. And then he says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. When we think of perfection or someone trying to be perfect, I think we have a much different view than what Jesus did here. You see, most people view perfection in light of not making mistakes or elevating ourselves to a higher level of performance. But here Jesus places perfection in the context of how we demonstrate his love to others, including our enemies. We're to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Well, how does he do that? He allows his sun to shine on the just and on the unjust. He allows his rain, his blessing to fall on the good and the bad, it says in verse 45. This doesn't mean that God overlooks sin and he just allows anyone into heaven some kind of universalism, but it's really talking about here the benevolent love of God. As creator, God demonstrates benevolent love to all of his creation. Now, that's not the love of salvation, the love that comes only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that allows us into heaven, God's love for his own, his children, his blessed, but it's that benevolent love of God, our creator, toward all of his creation. And God is saying that perfection in our lives here is measured in the context of how we demonstrate love to others. 
You see, God's love is not limited to the just. It's not limited to those who treat him um, with the honor that is due. Now, I think about probably the most hated people and tribe on the planet today that's in the news would be the Taliban over in Afghanistan. Man, what a uh, despised and rejected people and brutal. And then we talk about the Christians who are over in Afghanistan right now that are absolutely willing to stand and be bold and live for Christ even if it costs them their lives. Well, you know what that means? God's love benevolently is even shown to the Taliban. And you know, it's been said that the blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. And so when we are doing good to people that aren't even our friends, our enemies, that rises to the level of praying for the Taliban, praying for their salvation, praying that through the very blood that may be spilled through the Christian martyr, that that could be what God uses to turn them to faith in Christ. You see, that's the kind of love he's talking about here. That's not a mechanical love. That's not a love that's coming through a legalistic observation of God's word. Man, that's a love that can only come from the heart, that can only come from a personal relationship and walk with the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. So if our Father in heaven is willing to demonstrate such compassion, why not us? You know, why not me? So God says, be perfect. Treat others with the kindness that he has shown to you. That same kind of love. So what's the word for today? (laughs) Find that person who's getting on your last nerve today and show them kindness. Not because they deserve it, but because this is what your father does. This is true perfection. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.